and welcome once again to the How Long to Beat podcast. Uh, I am Sleepy Rick, joined by Snuggly Paula. Hello. And Sweaty Alex. Yes, hello. <laughs> which is my way of saying it's very hot in Canada, very cold in Chile, and it's almost midnight in the UK. Uh, this, this week, we have got a show for you. So we've all got completions. When was the last time that happened? Um, then we're going to talk retirements, playing, and... As this week's topic, there's just been a shit ton of game announcements between Summer Games Fest, various platform announcements. We're just going to riff on that, talk about what's jumped out at us, what's interesting out of that. And then we'll finish off with um, the next installment of the final version of this iteration of this season's um, How Long to Beat the Game. The Game! How long to beat the game? I couldn't think of another adjective, so I just sort of <laughs> shot the shot. Um, Paolo, right. why don't you tell us about what you've beaten this week? Because it's one that we're all a little bit familiar with already, I think. Yeah, I actually went and replayed the, uh, all the puzzles in, on Invento, which is a very, very, very cute um puzzle game about uh, cats making bento boxes mm-hmm. and again i wasn't expecting to struggle as much as i did with the last few levels even though i already solved them like i probably have like chicken memory with the puzzles at this point because i've solved mm-hmm. so many so um like if like a year or so goes by between me finishing a puzzle game and me replaying it, unless it is like a very specific kind of puzzle game, like The Room is, which is more of a skip room game, I'm not going to remember the puzzles or how they're solved. Like being familiar with the overall mechanics was helpful. Because it was like, hey, I remember this. You use it for this and this. But then in the last few levels where you have to like um, combine every single uh, mechanic that you're given throughout the game, like my little friend panic. But I did beat it. So that is a little gold star for me. Mm. I still highly recommend this game either on Switch or mobile. Like I ha- I played it on Switch because I'm not that keen on playing games on my phone. But I feel like this is still a perfect game for mobile. And did you play so, it on mobile yeah. the first time or has it been Switch both times for you? I forget. Uh, Switch both times. Both times. Okay. So I I have to say I think it's probably great on both. It definitely felt a little bit more at home on mobile. Just because it's touch controls, you drag and drop and move, and especially with the puzzles being so bite-sized, no pun intended. Um, it it's a very it's a very well suited game to that platform, I feel. But um yeah, for sure, wherever you can play it, play it, it's great. Could not agree more. It is right. Um I should probably play golf picks but i think it's the only of the three puzzle games from the studio that i haven't tried it's the best one as well it is the best one beautiful so i'm very looking forward to that one so alex 
you've bitten uh, quite a big two thing. seconds yeah I, this is going to mean nothing to the people listening but golf peaks is on sale at the moment in the uk e-shop it's like 90 pence so it's probably on sale well in, there's in a whichever huge e-shop you use as well e-shop Ooh. sale that just started today um yeah i've bought a few things from it yeah i haven't quite yet my my me and my brother gave me like a gift card um so like for my birthday and i'm like well might might be the time now to just stock up on some switch shit because <laughs> god knows our backlogs will need adding to fuck i know <laughs> god. <laughs> Too many games. um well but speaking you, you of backlog, one actually, off the yeah <laughs> um yeah i beat yakuza 3 um it's i mean okay it's hard to really say all that much more about yakuza that i haven't said in any of the other games because the reality with Yakuza games, particularly these earlier ones, is that, you know, like my critique that I gave of Tears of the King where I was like, oh, it's kind of just the same game as the one before with like slightly different things. That's what all Yakuza games are. It's just the same game with some slightly different things. And actually, it's a really apt description because Yakuza 3 is basically Yakuza with a little Okinawa map, right? <laughs> so you're like, oh, sometimes you're in Okinawa instead of being in Kamurocho um and like you know the story follows the same thing like yakuza is a video game soap opera um that's very much what they are you know twins and people who were once dead may might return but not actually but maybe they will and everybody has these vendettas and you know all the men are trying to be you know they want to they want to prove that they're loyal and that they're good and that they deserve all this and like it's just It's very, very, very silly. Um, That being said, it's also just very fucking fun. Um, (laughs) And I really enjoyed this one a lot. To to give you an example of this, I beat this in 12 hours and I played the main story. And when I got my completion, because they give you a completion percentage, do you want to guess how much of the game it said I had completed? And keep in mind, I completed the entirety of the main quest. I'm going to say 20%. What do you think, Paolo? Why do you feel this is like a game that has like so much additional content that you barely don't like fifteen percent of it? It said that I had completed four point four percent of the game. Damn. Yeah, that's how much fucking shit is in this and it is are in these Yakuza games. And like they're right. I really didn't complete much of the game in the end. Um I didn't do really any of the side quests because I was just like, I, I I know what the side quests are like. They're usually very, very fun and all that, but at the same time I was like, I'm just kind of here to get through the story because I do want to eventually play uh the new one coming out. Um The Man Who Erased His Name. Cause actually coming to our topic later on, they shared some like gameplay of that recently and it looks like holy shit, man. The combat looks so crisp and, and fun. Um, and so I'm really looking forward to that and getting back into Kiryu's shoes, but I still have three more to play. Um, and man, they're perfect for the steam deck. Just like, well, uh, I don't know if they're perfect for it actually. Cause like one thing that is a little nerve wracking is that these games don't have like a generous auto save. Like they don't have an auto save because they're old. Right. So you have to save at phone booths. Um, and so sometimes it's a little like, you know, you're like not sure that, and like they're, they're they're demanding games for the Steam Deck to run. You know what I mean? Like they run them no problem. It's just that I've noticed that if you're playing for like long, long, long time and like you sleep the the deck and then turn it back on, um, if the game is like super demanding on the, the console, um, it can like slow things down a little bit in terms of um, like turning back on and off and stuff. So I usually just like 
with the benefit of the doubt, if I'm at work, I'm just going to shut the thing off. Um, and then it you know, never occurred in. to me the Steam Deck that you'd have to have the suspend feature. I don't know why I never thought of that with a handheld. Yeah, because it has the suspend feature in it. And when you think about it, it's suspending a PC game, right? Like it's actually a pretty impressive fucking right. thing that it does. Yeah. And for like, so for example, if you're playing like indie games or whatnot, like the one I'll be talking about later, I can fucking suspend that. Like it doesn't even like it doesn't even like honestly, my Steam Deck on like full brightness, it like I we could play it for fucking like literally hours um and it was just like oh yeah you've used like 10 percent of the battery because it just was like taking up absolutely no um uh like power whatsoever um because mm-hmm. it's just so, such a simple game to run but again if you're going to start running these big games like this one or when i was running marvel midnight suns yeah the battery's going to fucking die pretty fast right um i mean it, it totally lasts all my commutes and stuff but it's also just like it's taxing on on the actual deck right um and taxing on that suspend uh system and feature but anyway it didn't actually cause me any real issues i was always able to just like save um before i had to like turn the thing off or by the end of my because like i noticed that at the end of my commute i'd always be like oh i'm at a save station great (laughs) um but anyway i really love yakuza games again i've said so much about this that i don't really have anything else to say if you like yakuza if you like soap opera type things and you like beat em ups, you're gonna have a really fun time. And honestly, the story was pretty good. It was it was pretty fun, touching, uh, cool little story with the CIA and everything involved, which was kind of funny. And like honestly, I love seeing Japan's take on Americans. It's just so funny. They're always like, I don't know why, but Americans to them always have like you know slick back hair, like little sunglasses and like leather gloves. Like for some fucking reason. Agents or something always look like that. It's very Wesker-esque, <laughs> one of the villains in this. Yeah. And I'm just like, I didn't know that was the stereotype of America, but I guess it is. <laughs> uh, anywho, that's me. Rick, what about you? You played one that I feel like I've heard of, but I don't remember. It, it's not an unknown indie. It's one I definitely sort of heard of a few times before I ended up playing it. So this is the final station. Um, I started this last week, ended up blitzing it in probably the only sort of proper gaming session i had all week um it's an interesting one in as much as while the conversion to switch from what was originally a pc game is quite good there are a couple of noticeable moments particularly every time you get back in the train um between levels proper where it will hang for a second while it's like catching up with itself but the moment to moment gameplay works really well Everything controls like well. Um, there's some glitchiness in that um, I ran into a bug where I straight up couldn't load the game back up. Um, I I had to like fight with the game for about half an hour to get it to make an interactable thing interactable. Uh, something to do it turns out in the end with the game being installed on the micro SD card rather than on the on the system memory. Um, but outside of a couple of notable points, the port is reasonably good. The weird thing with this game is that it's two distinct systems that don't necessarily play all that nicely together. So the levels proper have you in a, in a side-scrolling fashion, um, progressing through this this two D self-enclosed space, uh, finding a code you need to unlock the tracks to move your train forwards, um, killing these undead creatures, and scavenging supplies as you go. Um, 
in between those levels, you're on a train playing like a really, really pared down sort of um, diner. Is it Diner Dash? The one where you're like serving all the clients and moving things around? Yeah. You play as like a, a waiting restaurant. It's that, but like in a couple of train carriages. Um, that's where things fundamentally fall apart a little bit because there is a lot of story going on underneath underneath the, the, the sort of most superficial layer and to, to a way greater degree than I expected going in. The problem is you can't stop and listen to it because that would involve you neglecting the train. Ah. And if you neglect the train or your passengers die, you don't get the um, rewards and things that you really need to fund what you're doing later in the game. Um, the med kits you use are the same as the ones that you use to heal um, passengers which in theory is a touch I like, but the problem is it just forces you to, to um, try and perfect the run when you're moving through it. It disincentivizes you to from, I should say, um, trying to survive and muddle through and deal with setbacks. Doubly so, because it's guaranteed that two of every six passengers you take will have a, a wound of some kind that means their health is constantly ticking down, whether they're hungry or not. They're the, the only two like bars that you have to handle for each um, person, hunger and health. And then there's various me mechanisms on the train that require um, constant checking in on an attention. Um, and, then, and then the game has the gall when you, when you get one of them back safely to show you a dialogue where the doctor's patching the guy up and he's like, this is barely a scratch. Why on earth have you, have you got bandages around this? And you think, See, the amount of times I didn't heal for this cunt. Now, the, the core game is fine. It, the shooting mechanics work reasonably well. Um, it, it is short enough that it just about has enough steam for the main game. And what story I was able to catch between everything that I was, was and wasn't doing is quite interesting. Do I recommend it? Uh... It's a rough one. It, it, it's, I think I gave it a 6 or a 7 out of 10. Hmm. But I think it, it's a 6 or a 7 where there's so many other games that do this kind of thing better. And so it's a, it's a difficult one compared to its contemporaries. I, I didn't dislike it. There's just It didn't jump out at me. And particularly on Switch, they, there are enough flaws that I would say it's the version to avoid. Hmm. Um, if you want to play it, I imagine PC is a better place to be playing it. Um, now that all takes me neatly onto my and our only retirement, which is this game's DLC. So the, the core game, it's about three, three and a half hours, um, even with a couple of restarts and, and not sort of trying to bum rush the whole thing. Um, after that, there is a DLC that based on this little website called How Long to Beat that has user aggregated times. That seems to be a similar length. And the idea is that you're playing as a completely different character in the run-up to the events of the first game. Um, and that character has a very different skill set. So they start with a baseball bat. And for the first third of the adventure, the baseball bat is all that they have. Um, so there's a much greater focus on melee, which is fine because the game is, is low-key broken in melee's favor with the exception of a couple of specific enemy types. Um, your best approach 95% of the time is, is melee and back away, and the enemies don't really have a proper counter to it. Um, the problem is, in the DLC, especially 
immediately off the back of sort of playing for three hours or so of the main campaign, um, kind of gets kind of old. And mm. the the gaps in the story it's trying to fill in, I didn't find particularly interesting enough. Um, and there are certain enemies that it throws at you even before you find a, a ranged weapon that are a bit of a nightmare to deal with without a ranged weapon. Uh, ultimately, it just didn't grab me. And I, I think it, it highlighted in a certain way uh, the problems that you could sort of look past in the base game. Um, I dropped out maybe an hour in. So I think roughly uh, a third to a halfway through the DLC campaign. I'm willing to accept that some of that's on me, that maybe I should have given the game some breathing room before going back to the DLC. But also, you know, if, if you're going to package it as a, this is the release of the game, including the, the campaign add-on, there's almost a, an acceptance that these should be taken as a complete package. And I think as a complete package, that's where it starts to fall flat a little bit. Um, there are some sort of story, um, what's the word I'm looking for? some story recaps and explainers and things on YouTube. I haven't watched one yet, but I think it's going to be necessary to just because between me not finishing the DLC and the game disincentivizing me from engaging with it in the main campaign, there's a lot of story I've missed and there does seem to be a lot of depth to it. So I just don't think the balance was struck right across the whole thing, but especially so the balance wasn't struck right in the DLC. Um, one thing I can say in favor of the DLC is that it vastly simplifies the the bit that i didn't like about the main game in between missions rather than driving a train you're driving a mustang you only ever have one passenger you don't have to maintain they just have a chat with you in between levels and i like that change but it, it, it's too little too late unfortunately um yeah so that that's retirements that's me um alex why don't you tell us about the indie game that you're playing that you've alluded to before it's yeah. one I'm aware of. I'm kind of interested in what your take's been on it so far. Yeah. Um, so I'm playing Smile for me. Um, I don't know how I heard of this game, <laughs> but I heard of it a long time ago and it was on sale recently. And uh, mm -hmm. I just, I, I, I'd always kind of like, when I had first heard of it, it sort of intrigued me and I was like, oh, it sounds kind of neat and weird. And I like both neat and weird. And it is exactly mm. that. It is neat and weird. <laughs> um, mm. It's got that, like, you know, lo-fi. Um, what's the best way to describe this art style, actually? Um, oh, there's another game that I played that's sort of like, ah, oh, you know that one, the, like, the skeleton warrior wear game? Spookwares, um, was it? Spookwares, that's it. Yeah, that other one I played. It, so, you it's know, got a similar sort of paper cutout vibe, hasn't it? Exactly. Yeah, it's like it, you know, it's got like the low PS poly. one sort of low poly like backgrounds um, that are very like vaporwave. Um, uh, well, maybe vaporwave is not the right word, but that sort of like uh, oh, don't like, don't touch me, I'm scared, or please hug me, I'm scared. You know that that that. Um, YouTube video series with like it's the childlike thing. I know exactly. I think it's don't hug me. I'm or hug me. I'm scared. I know the way exactly. Yeah, you know what about. I'm talking about, right? Yeah, it's I do. It, yeah, it is genuinely that as a game in a lot of ways. Um, and the way that this game kind of works is like you're in this place called the Habitat, which is like by this like weird puppet thing. Um, and you're put in there, and there's a bunch of unhappy people in there, and it's your job to make them happy. Um, and so it's kind of like a not necessarily point and click because you're walking around, but it's like, you know, a little adventure uh, puzzle game 
where you go by and you meet a bunch of weird people and you help do requests for them. And then eventually they get happy and you have like a day night cycle um, that can affect some of the puzzles a little bit. Um, but like you have to be in bed at a certain time every night or else Dr. Habit gets very mad. And there's like all these teeth and stuff, things in it. And like, it's super fucking weird. Like I don't want, I, I won't go too in depth because I do think it's a fun game to experience on your own. Um, I haven't really gotten stuck too much yet. I had to look up a guide once just to figure out like where I should look about um, next. But like for the most part, they do a really good job of like, if you get really stuck, you just go to bed and the next day, usually uh, people who have given you requests will have like some slightly more detailed hints for you on like where you should kind of go next. And they have like sort of built in a lot of like hint things. Like there's a fortune teller who can tell you a little bit about an item um, and they st- they keep it still very like, you know, in universe explanations of what it is. So they're usually pretty weird, but it does give you enough of a hint to be like, you should probably be going over to this place next, you know? And you're like, oh, that's what I should do. Um, and it's small enough of a space that it's not like too difficult to comprehend. And I would say that the puzzle solutions are not too abstract some of them are a little like i've definitely come up against a couple where i was like really the fuck was i supposed to figure that out um but they keep those to a minimum um so i think even if you don't if you're not particularly good at puzzle games i still think you'd have a good time with this one um because the world is so kind of weird it's not long at all like i'm almost done and i think i'm only at like two and a half hours or something like that it's like a three hour game uh, which is actually one of the big reasons why I play it. I was like, oh, three hours, huh? Sounds good to me. You know, like, I'm just like, I want a short, fun experience. And that's what I've been getting from it so far. It's fucking perfect on Steam Deck. Uh, you can't talk. So all you do is like, you either shake your head yes or shake your head no. Um when people ask you questions, which is kind of fun. At first, so they, they you know, encourage you to use um, your like the right motion isn't safe yeah not necessarily motion but like you they encourage you to use like the analog stick to do it like to go up and down um or if you're using a mouse on your computer then you would just use the mouse to do it but there are buttons for it and i use the buttons (laughs) look the first time it's fun and it's like kind of cheeky but then by the time you're you know by the fucking 100th time that you're shaking your head you don't really want to be using the goddamn analog stick so i just press the right trigger for a nod the left trigger for um you know shake my head shake. and it it does it for me and i'm like that's really nice thank you um so yeah great game very cool um inventory system's a little weird uh it, you'll like need to get used to it a tiny bit you kind of have this like bouquet that you're carrying and then you cycle through all your items and then you can like select it with like x to like pull it up and then you use that to use it it's uh it's a little weird at first i'll admit it does take a little bit of time to get used to but once you get used to it it uh it's it, it's it works well um, it just takes a little bit of time. It, it kind of replaces like the item wheel. Like you literally are given a hand, which is your hand that you use. Um, and so like the item wheel sort of replaces verbs in a point and click, you know, like you know, pick up this or do that. Um, instead, they just give you all these items that kind of function as your sort of verbs. What works about this is that it feels more sort of in universe and like not, you know, kind of this weird like why do i have this random word floating here (laughs) you know what i mean but what doesn't work about that is that now you have to cycle to get your hand whenever you want to pick something up and it's kind of annoying you're like all right i don't want to have to cycle for this every time 
I would, it would be nice if I could just, you know, use that item, but it's a really minor critique to be honest. Like I, 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 I can't really say that it, it's bothered me that much, you know, it's just like a little thing. Um, so anyway, that's smile for me. I, uh, super recommend it, especially to anybody who likes, uh, point and clicks, um, with a little more movement. <laughs> Uh, you'd you'd like this game, Rick. I think you'd you'd enjoy. It. I mean, you too, Paula. But um, uh, you make a little motion. Interest. It is first person. So I watched a review that sort of put me off a little bit, actually. So it's oh, interesting really? that you say actually you reckon be a Rick game. I like it. What did they say in the review? I'm curious. I do you know what? I don't remember the specifics of it. Uh, I just remember the overall vibe was a uh, uh, nah, this ain't it. But I think it's on sale on Switch at the moment. Yeah, it's on sale on most things. I think. Is it worth a punt? Is the question. Well, it seems like I've run into this game before and I actually set it as ignore on Steam. You set it as ignore? Oof. Yeah. It's got maybe, an overwhelming Maybe I just Steam. didn't give it a chance. Yeah. But only know. a fair 73 on Open Critic. Yeah, it's 20% off on uh, on Switch. I wonder yeah, how cheap it is. I think on this is a game that some people are going to absolutely love. I find the aesthetic works perfectly for me. Um, it's cute, it's fun, it's absurd, and I really like that. I could see some people just being like, this game's fucking stupid, and feeling like that about it. You know, like there's definitely a vibe of that that, you, that I could see people hitting pretty easily. Um, I've been enjoying it because I think it's actually a little more, um, you know how like there's some of those games that are a little too like, they're a little too meta. Um, mm. This is one that I actually feel like they've created enough of a world that's interesting that it hasn't bothered me. Um, it's like, for example, Everhood really bothered me. I, I thought that one was kind of stupid. Um, and it's sort of meta world that it created because I just thought it was too much like Undertale or something. But this one feels more like spookware in a sense where it's like um they've sort of created this silly world that um does seem to make some sense um to it and so i'm kind of like i don't know i i i'm enjoying it personally so but let me let me cool reel reason. myself back in i own this to you ha <laughs> ha <What? laughs> <laughs> it's I, I looked at the price and then I was on the Steam page and it says this game's in your library. Play now. I was like, I beg your pardon. Uh March twenty twenty two is when it shows up. I reckon it's probably come in a bundle of some description. Probably. Like a fanatical bundle or something like that. Do you know what? I'm gonna have to do some digging and find out. I mean I'm installing it, so don't be surprised you if you hear me talk about it next week, but yeah. uh, that's Steam gaming in a nutshell, right? Like we talk about oh, a game and it 100%. turns out fucking own it already um well and it's i just, i'm just having a little existential crisis right now it's fine <laughs> i think yeah, i could see people cool. disliking so cool. it if they paid like full price or like a lot for it like it's it's pretty slim you know like um but <laughs> i think that's why i don't mind it is that like yeah it's a slim not you know too crazy game that i just find very fun and silly <laughs> and that's all i want from it Anyway, that smile for me. I'll, I'll be interested to see what you think when you start playing it, Rick. Um, you mm. can beat it in like two sessions, basically, or one really. I think it, it does deserve breaks a little bit, so you can like in your brain be like digesting what you're learning. Um. Okay. Hang on. Before before we crack on, I think I yeah. found it. Let me just double check. I have. Uh, yes, I have. So there was um ha there was a, an indie must play bundle in um. In March of last year, I'll be honest. Huh. I'm pretty certain I bought it entirely for going under. 
but N plus plus was in there and smile was in there and a couple of other things were in there. So, uh, there you go. Anyway, sorry. Go Maybe ahead. that's where I saw it. Actually. I think I skipped that bundle, but I thought I saw that one was interesting. Um, anyway, whatever. doesn't matter. <laughs> Irrelevant. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, that's Rick smile Madden. for me. Uh, Rick not remembering that he got the game in a bundle kind of reminds me of when I go into the archives of our own to read fan fiction and then I see that I already left like kudos to that person or to that specific fanfic and I'm like, I have no memory of this place. <laughs> Just me meeting a an echo of a previous you. Yeah. Pretty much. Been there. Not in that particular way, but been there. <laughs> That's scary. Yeah. Uh, okay. Oh, my God. Sorry. I am also kind of freaking toast today. My brain, it's so hot. I'm like, my head is just like... <laughs> um, so, anyway. Uh, the other game I'm playing is Assassin's Creed Origins. Um, I just... Mm. I wanted to play something on my Xbox, and I was like, I was like, maybe I'll play Valhalla, because I own that one. And then I realized, oh, shit, I own Origins as well. I kind of want to do that one. Um, shit, man. This game goes fucking hard at the start. The story in this, I was like, holy crap. Like they um it's like pretty intense at the beginning. I was like, damn, that is the way to start it up. And I I, I get now how like, man, when this game came out, it must have been like, you know, like, holy fuck, this is Assassin's Creed now? Because it feels so different from other Assassin's Creeds. But what's interesting is that Assassin's Creed Odyssey feels so similar to this one. Cause I played that one first. And playing this one now, I'm like, wow, Origins kind of just like nailed it. And then Odyssey just sort of was like, I'm going to tweak a little bit, add some boats, and um, which was great. I love the boats. Uh, it sounds to me like Valhalla, from what I understand, uh, just went too far. It's like Origins is like 30 hours. I think Odyssey is like 38 to 40-ish. And then Valhalla is like 60 to 70, which I think this type of game don't do so good over that long of a period of time. It like mm. really has its sort of place. Um, I have to also say, <laughs> I'm not going to rag on Zelda all the time, but, but it feels really fucking oh, good yeah. to play a game where I can just climb anywhere and I don't have to give a fucking shit about stamina. Who fucking cares about stamina? <laughs> Who fucking cares? I can just climb anywhere I want and it's super fun. I don't, it doesn't fucking rain and I slip. I can call my horse at any time. Yeah, Rick's been doing the fishing line. I'm baiting everybody right now. <laughs> I'm putting I it down to see. trying not to take it. <laughs> Yeah, uh, like, like legit like you don't have to call anything it just comes um it just like and like yeah is that realistic no but it's nice to just be able to there and call your camel wherever you are so you can get the fuck out of there uh if it, it's really fucking fun the story is really cool the side quests are it just shows it man, the side quests are pretty funny i like went off to like help this dude who got wasted and he's like stuck in a rock and there's all these alligators around him and he's like hello my friends and he's just like sitting there just <laughs> and i have to like shoot all these fucking alligators while they're trying to eat my boat i was like dude this is fucking sick um it's really goddamn fun it's again one of those games where like i was starting out and i thought the opening area you're in like Siwa. so it's set in like 48 bce um in egypt right so the egyptians have been long like the ancient egyptians are ancient still at this point right so there's tons of like ruins and all this stuff there as well and they have like you know the, the text from the ancient egyptians is like you know these are our ancestors kind of feeling to them um they obviously still are like worshiping um uh gods like set and ra and all that but it's just like a very different world um which is super fun to play and you play as a magi bayak 
uh, who's a very cool character. Um, and uh, the voice actor is phenomenal in it. And it's just like, man, I don't know. The world is so cool. Like, they... I know, like, Assassin's Creed, I think, gets a lot of flack because they've made a lot of them, um, which I understand. Uh, but, like, the more that I go back and play them, the more that I'm like, oh, these games are incredible. Uh, it's just that they occasionally have, like, I think corporate interests get placed upon them so that there are aspects of them that feel a little like, eh. but you really don't have to engage with that when you're playing them. And I, I do think taking the Tiamat approach here, uh, where just waiting to play them later is really great because they just kind of have everything you need by the time you get to them um, and all the bullshit you could just totally ignore. Um, and so, because at this point now, playing Origins, I think I've played all of Assassin's Creed except Syndicate and uh, Valhalla. Like all of the mainline games, not, you know, the although there's tons of other shit. Uh, I haven't played those, but I've played kind of all the mainline. Um, and so far, Origins feels great. The combat is so satisfying. It's very weighty and like has this good punch and there's, you know, the good parries and the blodge and the docking and uh, the, the dodging and all that, which I will say, I think, you know, part of the complaint that people have had with these games is that they don't really feel like Assassin's Creed in the sense that being stealthy doesn't like really matter, though I do appreciate the fact that I can kill a guy on one side of a fortress and not everybody goes nuts. Like, the people have mm. to actually see that you've killed someone for them to be alerted, which, to me, feels way better. Because, you know, in a lot of those games, you, like, alert someone and then suddenly everybody knows you're there, um, which always is a little weird. It's like, well, how do they all know I'm here? Especially in, like, an you know, ancient Egypt or something. It's like, they, wouldn't, they don't have fucking walkie-talkies or shit. If I kill some mm. dude, they don't all know. And so it's really good about that, where it's like, you off one dude and not everybody is suddenly, like, in the alert state, you know what I mean? Um, it's like they're only get like only somebody who maybe saw it or like stumbles on the body after will get an alert state and they might run off to try and warn people. But as long as you snipe that motherfucker, who cares? They're done. Um, so that's super satisfying. It's also fun to like, uh, send a couple dudes going crazy on one side and then go to the other side and just kill everybody while they're going nuts over there. It's, it's very fun. There's lots of good stuff you can do. Um, but it is neat that Assassin's Creed, I guess, hinting a little bit future thing uh assassin's creed mirage is coming out which i guess is sort of an offshoot story that's like much smaller in scope uh and focused on the stealth aspects of the game instead which to me feels like the best way you could do this because like i really don't want them to ever go back to making only these smaller stealth focused assassin's creeds because the the, the gameplay mechanics they've introduced and the open world like i do think these new assassin's creed games might be some of the best open world games out there at this point like the amount of stuff you can do within them and the like um, just the, the freedom that they introduce is so satisfying, but it's also, it's also streamlined in a way that feels very, um, very satisfying. You know, like I mm. personally, I, I think I, I really enjoy the leveling sort of system of it because it does to me give a nice guidance over like, where should I go next? Which like, and again, so this is a thing of like, there are different types of perspectives that gamers are obviously going to have and that individuals I think are going to appreciate about games. For me, what I've learned that I appreciate is like, I don't like unlimited freedom. I like um, freedom with limitations. Um, and I hate to use, I, I wish I could find another example, but um, the, it's, just, it's just the one that I've played most recently, all right? I'm not trying to do this on purpose. It's just like the one that's in my mind. 
Uh, for some, I think that game is the kind of freedom that they want, right? Where it's just kind of like, whatever, man, figure it out, you know? Um, which I think for some people is like really enjoyable. Um, it also has kind of like a just dearth of like things that are thrown at you. Um, and for some, I think that is like really what they want, right? Like you want to have this kind of just like, I have like dozens and dozens of things that I've been told to go do and I can kind of figure out what I do when I do them, et cetera, et cetera. Um, that to me is like totally, um, a totally enjoyable way for some. I find it personally, not necessarily stifling, um, overwhelming, I think would probably be the way that I would describe it. Um, and it just doesn't, um, it doesn't work for me, right? It just doesn't. I get a little too like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do next. And then I just sort of feel like I'm stuck and, and it feels like I'm never progressing, right? That's, I think the sort of feeling, right? Where like, maybe I get like, um, I don't know, a heart or something. You know what I mean? Like you, you get a little something, but you don't feel like you're meaningfully kind of changing. Um, and that, that's sort of my sort of experience with that. Um, and again, it's a design choice, right? Because ultimately you're, the way you're changing a lot is like a deeper understanding of the systems, the mechanics and, and, and the game in general, right? Like you're learning how to do different things as you go along and you're solving new problems. And so like the, 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 what you're gaining is less like a level, right? And more like, I'm gaining an understanding or newer materials that I can eventually forge because I've figured out this or this through that. So it's a totally valid sort of progression system. It's just a slightly different one where like uh, knowledge, I think is more of the sort of accumulation, um, which those are really like, I love those games. Actually, we talked about this a little bit about the knowledge accumulation sort of games and uh, like Outer Wilds and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. And how like mm -hmm. I theoretically love those games in practice. Um, find them tedious right you know what i mean like it's just like that's just and that's just me you know like and some others i, I know some people feel that too um but not every game is made for everybody right that's how it goes um whereas mm. the progression system within this one uh is more satisfying for me um like i really appreciate being able to um just like choose like okay this quest here is this level but then also it, it's a game with hubs right um, and the hubs are far more important in the, in this sort of game than in some other, uh, open world games, right? It's like, yes, there are these sort of wilds that you can go explore, but your quests are going to be concentrated within a few hub areas and they're, they're going to tend to be around a similar ish level. And then eventually as you, you know, explore and you get better, it, the world will open up even bigger. And then there's going to be multiple hubs that have similar ish levels. And so you can go explore those. But I find myself really enjoying like the journey experience of like going to one city and like really delving deep into that city and then moving on after I've done that, you know, um, that is like, I, um, I find that I get a more tangible sense of progress in games that do this. Um, cause there are many games that don't, right. There's a lot of open world games that are just kind of like, bye -bye, right. Um, it's, it's almost like the Skyrim effect a little bit, right? Like, you know, Skyrim has like hubs where you go to the hub and there's all sorts of shit and they'll give you quests that will send you outside of the hub, but you're always going to come back to it. Right. Um, and that to me is like a really, um, satisfying way of doing it. Um, whereas there's other games that, you know, are more just like, this is a large open area. There's not going to be a lot of big hub areas. There's maybe one or two kind of hubs. And then the rest of it is more going to be like, you'll, you'll discover things as you go along. Right. Um, what happens to me is that I feel um, a little more disconnected in those types of games. 
um, because I don't um, feel like I see a tangible difference within the hubs that I'm in because they actually don't have as much as the sort of world around them. Um, both have their pros and cons, right? Um, I think cons wise, if you have ones with large hubs, it might make the spaces outside of the hubs feel kind of empty, right? Um, which I think you could argue in Origins is, is certainly a thing, right? Like, you know, they're in the desert, right? So there's going to be a lot of desert. Um, there's still lots of stuff, but like, there's not going to be tons and tons of shit, you know? Like, you're not going to go out hmm. and discover millions of things in the desert, um, which could, I think, discourage some people if they're more interested in just sort of exploring uh, versus the, but the cities are going to feel more alive because they're deeply, hugely populated. And there's tons and tons of people to talk to and things to do within them. So you, when you go to each one, it doesn't feel like it's just like, well, I'm only here for this specific quest marker. It's like, no, there's actually a ton of stuff to go talk to and do here. Um, versus games that, you know, there's a lot more to do in the wild. So you feel like you're encountering lots of stuff and that feels more alive, but then the cities feel pretty barren and kind of like placeholders with just a couple shops, right? Um, so, you know what I mean? Like that's sort of my like, something I've been noticing within it. Um, and something I'm sort of noticing about my particular, um, like brand of game that I enjoy. You know what I mean? Um, anyway. Yeah. I don't know. Have either of you, I don't, have you guys played many of these Assassin's Creed games? I'm not even sure if you have played any. Have you? No, I've played I exactly haven't played it. I have watched my Wii from play the first two, mm. but I haven't played them myself. You would probably enjoy the Origins and Odyssey games. I think they would be up. I mean, I think they'd be up both your alleys, to be honest. Um, I am not so sure. I I suspect it would just be like open world drudgery. I, I don't necessarily have a lot of tolerance for that yeah. kind of setup. I played Assassin's Creed. Oh, what was it called? Bloodlines, the PSP one. Mm. had a great time with it i probably would like the original assassin's creed with its limited scope mm. um if i ever got to it as well maybe i've, I've been recommended as the assassin's creed to the Ezio trilogy uh, yeah, before see, now as well I, I don't know i don't i don't i'm not sure you'd actually i almost feel like the older ones yes they're a little more linear but they got a lot of bullshit in them um like honestly maybe. here's the thing this is why i think i think personally why you might enjoy odyssey now this is here, here's my uh, games that you don't think you'll enjoy pitch um, the fascinating thing with Odyssey and what I'm noticing with Origins is that, yes, it is an open world game, right? In that sense. But really, it's like, you know, the Witcher 3's DLC, the, the blood and wine one? Did you ever play that one? I, I know of it. You know of it? You know how it's like, it's like this condensed game in this one sort of area, right? And there's like sure. all this kind of beautiful, awesome stuff. That's what Odyssey is and what Origins is. It is a series of discrete um, large sort of hub areas with wildly inventive storylines in each of them and like unique quests in each area. So when you go to them, it's like playing, like honestly, it's like playing a series of incredible games um, all in different areas mixed in with like fun naval sort of combat and exploration. I think it's what sort of blew my mind a little bit when I played that game because I was like ready for the, the open world drudgery like you talked about, like, you know, they're like, go capture the outpost take down this one, do that thing. But they just nix that shit. Like, yeah, there is some of it there if you would like to engage with it, but it doesn't really, it's just like, hey, if you want to take down a fortress, I guess you can do that. But it's like, or why don't you come kill the Minotaur? And you're like, that was pretty fucking cool. 
like, I think I'll go <laughs> kill the Minotaur, right? And so like you have one where you go through an entire labyrinth on this island, you know, on uh, uh, Minos, right? Or you do like an entire storyline in Sparta where you're like overthrowing a government. Like there's just all this shit in each of the areas that you go to that makes it feel like you're playing these like really um, fascinating um, expansions of, of a larger game in some way. Um, so yeah, I don't know. That's my sort of pit. Like I really... Because I think I missed out a little bit because I got Assassin's Creed fatigue um, by the time that Origins had come around. I was just like, why would I care about this game? But starting it up, I was like, this game is extremely story-driven from the beginning. Like, it opens. So, people, if you don't want to know what happens in, like, the first 10 minutes of the game, maybe go away. But the opening of this game is basically, like, you, Bayek, left your town of Siwa, um like a year before and you return a year later and you're just like all like you got like this long hair and shit and you're just killing this dude and you get to this huge fight and you're like all like sliced up and this guy you have this mask that this guy has and you're like reading him the riot act basically about what you're about to do to him and he throws this knife at you and you catch it in his mask and then you just shove his mask onto his face uh with a knife in it and i was like fucking shit what's going on i was like holy hell um and you learn quickly that like as a magi, these like group of masked individuals were trying to get you to help them open this big temple door, and they had your child, and like you break out and try to like break free, and you end up accidentally killing your own kid, um, and so now you're on this revenge mission of like I will murder them all, and that is literally like he's you're like fucking so it's John Wick of Egypt, yeah, like honestly, yes, honestly, um, it really is. It's like yeah, to me it felt like Egypt John Wick, and like dude, they have a bow that is like um. Uh, they have this quick bow where when you hold it, it like launches like four arrows at once and it feels so sick. Like the bows are so good in this. Um, and like the combat, it's, I don't know, man. I just like, listen, this is coming from someone who like, like I retired Tears of the Kingdom. I don't like open world games. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm, like I am an individual who like is very much not into them. But these these new games, they just, I don't know, man. There's just something fucking about them where they let you engage with them on your own pace and you can just fucking say, I don't give a shit about tons of stuff and it doesn't punish you. You're not like, oh no, you're not strong enough for this. It's like, nah, dude, whatever, man. You don't have to do that, it's fine. You know, <laughs> it's just like, they're like, whatever, dude, it's cool, man. You can upgrade your shit if you want. Like, you can go hunting if you like, but like, also, you can just go fucking kill all the dudes. Like, that's also fun. <laughs> I'm like, that is fun. I like to kill all the dudes. <laughs> so anyway, that's my that's my sort of pitch for this, but if you ever, you know, on the massive backlog that is our backlogs, um, if you ever get the chance, I do recommend trying them out, and um, particularly Odyssey. But if you don't like, you know, naval combat or going on boats and stuff, then you might just stick to Origins. It's like they all got the good thing. Um, not gonna lie. Say that, but... mm-hmm. Not gonna lie. I'm not sure I would like those. Like, I'm the person who retired The Witcher 3, actually. Oh, yeah, you wouldn't like if you don't like The Witcher 3. Yeah, I mean, so uh, I should get be, fucking I... shit for retiring fucking tears of the goddamn fucking kingdom when you fucking retired <laughs> Witcher Three, all right? Fuck off. <laughs> well, partially because of, of my PlayStation, like the graphics look so fucking muddy and so disgusting. Like I couldn't. Yeah, I almost couldn't like a dis- system from 2016 does. 2018. Yeah, but I couldn't like distinguish is. like anything <laughs> from the background. I was like, you know what? The, the, the colors are muddy. I don't like it. Like, 
the your representation of the game wasn't great on PS4, like I would try to give it like um a, a chance on PC, but I still think I wouldn't like it. Like I rather have my open world games let me go like do whatever without much of uh I'm not gonna say not much of a story, but like the Witcher Tree, like it it gives you like all these icons on the map and I'm like Dude, let me discover things at my own pace. <laughs> what, what's, what's Rick laughing at here? I can just see the smoke coming out from your ears and then past your headphones. Oh, me? Yeah. Oh, I don't care if you don't like Witcher 3. That's fine. I mean, look, some people don't like the Witcher 3. That's fine. They're wrong, but it's like, it's fine. <laughs> no, I just I think it's like hilarious. Jackson with the popcorn. Yeah, yeah. No, it's fine. I get it. Witcher 3 is a very... Um, um yeah witcher 3 is a very like it's polarizing some people don't like the fucking uh the story and things but which is totally fair it's like it, to me that game is the complete opposite of i'm just i'm just joshing it because you give me a hard time for returning to the kingdom <laughs> <laughs> but that but see that actually proves my point even more right tears of the kingdom it just ain't my kind of open world just as witcher 3 ain't your type of open world you know i prefer the more story rich guided experiences right i'm not a fan of the sandbox the sandbox to me it gets boring right i would like a little bit of design to my sandbox potato potato right tears <laughs> <laughs> of the kingdom <laughs> um, not my finest work it yeah is i was like wait what yeah. <laughs> yeah it is late I'm, my brain's hurting oh wait okay so hold on i just talked I'm about playing. my games i'm playing that that's all i'm playing so how about, uh, Paolo, why don't you regale us now with um, how Tears of the Kingdom is going for you? <laughs> okay, so first of all, a more cohesive uh, Paolo commentary um, is coming back because I got myself another little notebook to uh, document my playthroughs in. That being said, I bought this on the 9th of June. So before that, I was playing Tears of the Kingdom and didn't record jack shit. Uh, so right now I'm just uh, chilling out with the Koroks, trying to get some Koroks to upgrade my inventory. And also I want to do a mission that is in the underground. But that means I need some uh, preparation to go in the underground because it is fucking dark there. So right now I'm just stocking up on arrows, which I have already 200 of them probably or more and also um uh, farming like those i re- i always forget the names of it it's the bloom seeds bloom flowers i don't know the light bright bloom seeds bright blooms yeah no my shit <laughs> yeah that one uh so I'm collecting bright blooms uh, for my adventures in the underground because I have to enter like in four different points of uh, the surface and go to the underground and do stuff there uh, with a statue. And yeah, I'm I'm kind of scared of going down there, but also I kind of want to know what the rest of the side quest is like. But I'm also scared, so I'm like here, like just frozen, like in the in the edge of the underground entrance, trying to uh, find my courage to go there. 
And that is pretty much what I've been doing, just trying to decide whether or not to do this stupid mission. And like, I already did like half of the quest that is supposed to be like on the surface. Now I have to do the other half that is in the, in the, uh, in the underground. Also, I don't know if I mentioned it, but I did find a secret passage. I think I mentioned it on the Discord like a couple of weeks ago. But I battled this uh, enemy at the end of the secret passage, which I have to unearth first because he was kind of buried. And then I found like a little, not an opening, but a fake wall that you can break. But it was like in the water. So it was like, hey, maybe I could like, um fake crayon is my way up there because you can just freeze water in this game did i tell you you can freeze water in this game <laughs> like i think i told you but alex says yes but well yeah you should i'm stuff still out like marveled you couldn't do that in the first game like it just makes sense and i made a little ice fridge for myself and got to the uh fake wall and I realized I didn't have like a single uh, hammer-like uh, weapon to break the, the rock with. So instead, I look, um, look in my inventory and I didn't have bombs either. So I was like, hey, instead of going back, grabbing a rock and attaching it to a weapon to make a hammer, why don't I just use this ruby that it looks like from the trailers it has some um, kind of like explosive um it's kind of like an explosive but not quite i wonder if this is gonna make the the ever explode then i mentioned that i was still right beside the thing i wanna i wanted to blow up well um sadly Poor Paula blew up and funny story, like, you know how when you're battling an enemy, if an enemy hits you when you're at full health, you, you'll be down to a quarter of a heart. But if you do something stupid at full health, like falling from a cliff or blowing yourself up, you don't get that. You just die. So in the end, I was, I don't remember, I was like 12 hearts at this point. I blew myself up, lost all my health. I didn't have a fairy at that point in time. And I reloaded the save and I didn't save after beating the enemy. So I have to unearth it again, battle it again, and then did the smart thing this time around, attached a rock to uh, probably a, a, a lance or something like that, and use it to uh, break the opening of the cave instead of blowing, blowing myself up. Because in that experiment, I realized Ruby's, uh, the explosive waves from the Ruby didn't break the, the stone barriers, so that was useless too. So, yeah, those are my. Adventures and Tears of the Kingdom. Um, I am usually I'm a, a very methodical player. Like I try to always go prepare for everything, but I never prepare for my own stupidity. So yeah.
on a more um or a better documented adventure and playing Pokemon Emerald. So at the start of the week, I had Mango the Madkeep, Buttercup the Silcoon, and Naraka the Routes. I just named all my Pokemon deal with it. Hmm. So first of all, I went to Rosvaro Gym. I won my first batch against Roxanne, so I got the Stone Batch. And Mango evolved into a Merch Stomp. And then I went on to the next day, and I don't know what happened because I am sure I saved multiple times that day. But for some ungodly reason, and maybe it has to do with the fact that the um, GBA just kept resetting itself, like the... It was like someone was stuff resetting the game for some reason, but the save was gone. Like all the the save wasn't gone. Like uh, all the progress I did the day prior was gone. And I was like, okay, I only played like half an hour, so let's let's do this again. Thankfully, this time the save stuck, and and thankfully I didn't have to the the problem like as the the GBA like auto soft resetting the game, which is nice. Uh, and I haven't had the problem since, so I don't know what what was up that day. Like, I don't know. Like legit, if I didn't write it with my own hand on this notebook, I would have probably thought that I dreamed that I played the game. But I have mm -hmm. evidence. I have totally proof that I played the game. So I am not crazy. Something happened that day. <laughs> okay, so again, girls were a game, got the stone badge, this and shortly after getting the stone badge, Mango evolved into Marston again. Then I went into a little adventure to look for a little Pokemon called Skitty. Which is like a pink cat Pokemon and it is really cute. So after half an hour of fail attempts at catching one, and also half an hour of not finding any at all, I found a, uh, a skitty and touched it, got it, sorry, and called it Peppermint. And then my um, Silcoon Buttercup evolved into a butterfly, a butterfly, sorry, hmm. a beauty fly. I can read my own handwriting. And then I went and uh, I, I went into a dark cave, got the Devon Good Sun, um, whatever the name of the wingle is that I from Mr. Brittany. And then I got deep enough after finding the Devon Good Sun, going to the Devon Company and just talking with the president, and he was like, hey, take a Pokemon up. Now you can make calls and also take a map. You can know know where the fuck you are and how uh, how to go from one place to another. At this point in time, I also got the item for cat. And I realized none of my Pokemon could learn it. So I had to go back into the route where I found the Skitty and do a little hanging for uh, an HM slave. So meet Tuna de Ninkara. That little thing is has learned two HMs so far, but more on that later. So with that, I backtracked through uh, the forest and got like some items with the 
uh, with the that were blocked off by those trees you can catch before. And then I went to Dufort. Is it Dufort Town? Yeah, Dufort Town, where I had to look for uh, this guy called Steven. I don't know if you hear of it. Sorry, like, he's a fucking champion of the region, but anyway, I have to look for Steven and give him a letter. And I went to Granite Cave, where he's supposed to be, and I need Flash to explore the cave. I swear, the one thing I don't miss from the other Pokemon games is the amount of HMs you have to have. And so I had to, I got the, the HM, I couldn't use it because I needed the gym badge, so I went to the gym. And went against Broly and got myself the knuckle badge. Back into the cave. Now I could see where the hell I was going and to be honest, I think like in my first playthrough I just fumbled my way through Steven, but I wasn't like feeling it today so or that day when when I was playing and I was like, okay, it's just 20 minutes, one batch. Let's go to find Steven. So after giving him the letter, I had to deliver something else, the Devon Goods, yeah. Um, on a slateboard. So I went to a slateboard. There were there were a lot of trainers in the beach. I beat all of them and got myself um uh like half a dozen of uh Sodabop, which is probably one of the better items to heal your Pokemon uh, with and it's also way cheaper. So I uh, totally recommend getting those instead of the super potions on the Pokemart. So I found the guy I was to give Devon goods to, and oh no, it is Team Aqua. One of the things that I like about Pokemon Emerald is that you have both teams, Team Aqua and Team Magma, causing, causing chaos. And well, that's a whole other thing, but. One thing that I kind of miss from the remakes is that you kind of like see little um cutscenes of them like um like you're exiting the forest and then without the the protagonists around like they are talking in the shadows and that that was kind of cool because uh right now I only heard from them from different townspeople. And they're like kind of like like more mysterious, and I've only seen each team once, I think. Yeah, I, I have seen them once each, and only battle with Team Aqua on this occasion. So, uh, after delivering the Demon Woods, I went to what I assume was gonna be the contest hall. Because it was like, hey, I want to do Pokemon Contest because it is the gen where Pokemon Contest were introducing Pokemon. And poor little me didn't remember or probably didn't know that on Pokemon Emerald, the contest hall, three of the contest hall were uh, replaced with uh, battle tents. So I had to go to another uh, city to 
uh, find a contest hall and participate and take part on Pokemon contest. So that was sad. Um, so I was like, okay, okay, I have something to keep me going. I'm gonna go to the next city and probably the next, uh, this other city I know of is gonna have uh, a contest hall, hopefully. Fingers crossed, knock on wood. So I went to Marvel City, Battle Brendan in the way again, and got myself a bicycle, which I needed to get the faster back to Slateport because this one girl that had a coin case, which you used to uh, bet on on the Marvel City and Game Corner, which is totally not a casino. Um, she had the coin case that I needed, but she wanted, uh, I forgot the name of it, but it was like one of those mails you can uh, give to a Pokemon and have them like sent to another player via trading. So she wanted one of those uh, mails. So to the cycling road, I went, I had all the trainers there, got the mail. Uh, Naraka at this point evolved into Akirlia. So I had a, a strong psychic type Pokemon, a little bit too late because the prior gym to this was the fighting gym. But anyways, got the coin case and wasted a stupid amount of money, a stupid amount of pocket dollars on the game corner. Why? Because hmm. I, like, I've played on the game corner on Pokemon Leaf Green and Fire Red, and I have, like, a, like a favorite coin machine that I um, kind of, like, got the timing off, so it is very easy for me to just farm uh, the game corner coins or the game corner credits on that machine specifically. In the uh, Pokemon Hardcore Soul Silver, there's no lag based thing. It's just the Volter flipping game, so no problem in that uh, in that game. And um, there's kind of like a trick to get more coins on the platinum version of the game corner because once you get the um the little clefairy, you can uh like a little clefairy thing on the screen. Like it dances and tells you where to, uh, like which order to press the the different. Um, what's the name of this? Like the the, the things that move on the on the. The slots. The slots, yeah. You have to press like the slots in a a specific order to get the the most out of it. So each. Game Corner has its trick to maximize profits. I haven't found any of this game because, hmm. as you see, I just wasted 10,000 pocket dollars on the Game Corner and I have to uh, win at the game more uh, reliably yet. So after losing a lot of money and saying, hey, I'm gonna. I'm not even quitting while I'm ahead. I'm just quitting before I I have to live under a bridge or something. 
I decided to go to the Marvel City Gym, where I found Wally, which I defeated, and then I got my Dynamo badge from Watson. Then I went on my way to Vendetturf Town, where I hope there was a contest hall. Nope, it is a battle tent. Your contest hall is in another city. Um, so it was like, okay, fuck it. I got, um, like the, um, jerk cut open in the cave. Like I had rocks match, so I, I just took down the rocks that were like blocking the way so I can go back to that route like anytime I want. Not that I'm going to get fly anytime soon. And then. I went to road 111, Battle of the Winstreet House, which is one probably one of my favorite NPC battles in the game because you are forced to battle four trainers consecutively. And also I just noticed there are like uh, there's Steven's family. <laughs> like super late, but I just noticed that. And found Team Magma messing around in Route 112 and made it to Falabor Town, which, by the way, I completely forgot suit collecting was a thing on this game. There's like a little house between the, the, like in the middle of the route with all the suit. And uh, he gives you, uh, the guy that lives there gives you a suit sack. And you can just uh, collect Sooth and give it to him for him to create, I think it was Pokemon Foods. I don't remember the effect of those, but I do remember there are multiple posts. So yeah, I made it to Fallover Town. I hopefully will be battling the next team leader sooner rather than later. And also, I investigated a little bit because I want to have a Milotic before I go to the Elite Four. Like, I already planned out my team. I have mostly cute Sludge, pretty Pokemon. And I want Milotic because I never have like a Milotic in this game before. First of all, do you know how to get Fibas on this game? on Pokemon Emerald. So, allow me to educate you. There is one route which I don't remember the number of, I do remember how it looks. There's a stupid amount of tiles on the water, and only on, I think about six tiles of this river, you could find you can find Fibas. The thing is, is that it resets each time you turn off and on the game, and it resets each time the 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 clock hits. I don't re remember the time of the day. Probably it's at midnight. Because why not? It just makes sense. So at midnight it resets, and all the tiles are generated again. So your six tiles kind of like differ each day. 
if you were, so you have to check. Tell by tell. Multiple times because this sucker has a very low, um, a very low encounter rate. So you could just find the tile where there are fibas, but maybe you weren't lucky the first ten uh, casting of the lines, and you didn't get the fibas. So you think, oh, maybe there aren't any fibas here. You hope to God I mean... that you get that fibas if it is there on less than ten uh, attempts, because. There are like 300 tiles to check, I think. And only take something half of us. You signed up for this punishment, why exactly? Because my logic is pretty. Nah. I'm a shallow bastard. <laughs> That's our episode title right there. <laughs> um, this is not... Once you get your FIBAs on Pokemon Emerald, um, this generation in particular. Now you have to evolve into Milotic. And Vivas, at this point in time, like in the newer games, it has two evolution methods. On this game, it has one. And it is to max out, or I think not max out, but nearly max out its beauty stat for the contest. And then level it up. Level it up. A thing I learned the other day while I was watching YouTube videos is that the specific berry you need in order to make the little uh, poke cubes for your Pokemon and max its beauty stat out without relying on other players because the uh, cube blending minigame you could have up to eight, up to four players uh, putting multiple berries on it but if you don't have anyone to play Pokemon Emerald with, which is my case, because my boyfriend won't touch that game with a 10-foot pole because of the starters. Then you need a specific berry, which name I already forgot. And perfectly plan each cube, because the Pokemon cannot eat more than a certain amount of cubes. So you have to make the most quality cubes imaginable to fit it to your Pokemon in order to uh, really raise those contest stats. So I probably have to uh, fire up my copy of Pokemon Leaf Green, have a full party of, of Meowths with a pickup ability, and just farm those fairies, trade it to my Emerald version, and then Farm the hell out of those berries to get the amount I need to make the gifts I need to make my Fibas beautiful and have it evolve to my Lyric. Sounds like a So. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's my head from. Why don't you, uh, <laughs> from pain to love, why don't you tell us about Love or Pretend? <laughs> yeah, sorry, I just. <laughs> Had to run about the Pivas my lawyer thing. Sure. So, um, let's pretend I started today. So, I went in completely blind, so everything I tell you is things I ever experienced in the game. So, the, pretending, the protagonist is Chiyuki Ueda, and she is 
she's starting to become a screenwriter. But the one thing she can't seem to write is romance. So in the product, you pretty much see her going to Koyo uh, University and meet up with uh, her teacher, which so happens to be like a very famous screenwriter at the time, like on the game. And after like a little introduction of what she's doing and what she's good at and what she's bad at, uh, she's like, oh no, I'm going to wait. And she with, I'm going to call him like a child friend, but it is more like a junior high friend, which is Kazuma, uh, Kazuma Kamiku. And the thing with this game is that you have a mini game called Pretend Time. So you have to answer some questions within the time limit. And for each, there's like a puzzle effect on the screen. So for each correct answer, you get to uncover like what's underneath the, the puzzle. But for each wrong answer, the puzzle like kind of covers up the whole screen. So you can actually lose the minigame if you don't pay attention to the story and just answer whatever and the screen gets completely covered. That can lead to bad ends according to the tutorial. And in this time, it, it's all well and good. And the first uh, pretend time, it's like, okay, there aren't like any consequences. The story will go on, but there are ways to fuck up this game. And I was here just for uh, fluffy romance, but anyway. So the thing about is is that, um, like the, the scene is just silly, like, She's with uh, her childhood friend, which, by the way, he's a stylist. Like, he's, yeah, he's working full-time and studying to be a stylist. And then you know that, like, she tells him, hey, um, I kind of got this offer, big, big, big offer to be an assistant to a screenwriter uh, with a very... Um, popular, uh, what's his name, a director. And this is kind of my, like my big uh, opportunity to get into the industry. But also there's a little thing called, oh, there are three people involved in, in this production, namely the, the producer or the director, I don't remember which one, which may or may not be my father. I'm like, Excuse me, what? So it so happens that um, her mother is, sorry, used to be a screenwriter. And she raised uh, the protagonist as a single mother. Months prior to uh, giving birth to uh, the protagonist, she was involved into this uh, very popular movie, which it is an unnamed movie in this universe, but anyway. And there are like uh, probably three guys she had contact with and any of them could be the protagonist's father. 
Because, of so course, this is basically we need Mama a little Mia bit more time. Mamma Mia. It's Mamma Mia yeah. the Atome, yeah. <laughs> that's all it is. So Mamma Mia. Yeah, that's... <laughs> I was like, this just sounds like Mamma Mia, yeah. <laughs> Here we go again. Yeah. <laughs> my, my, how can I resist you? Here we go again. <laughs> and so on and so forth. Yep. Oh, no. <laughs> so you're like... Uh... Um... So far, um, I've also met two of the other three guys because there are four love interests, the childhood friend, the, um, this is actor, which is Riku Nishijima, and then you have uh, the model, Yukito Sena. And there's one more character that I haven't met, uh, uh, like, at this point in time, like, I it was an excellent line before the call. But okay, anyway, you can, you can but this is what I know <laughs> about the game. I it feel it looks like either the possible fathers or their sons are involved into this production she's gonna be a part of. So I'm really, really hoping none of these guys are her actual sibling because I'm gonna be mad. That was a good time, man. <laughs> And anyways, well, so far, like, it looks like a more fluffy game. The, the father drama aside, like, it is more on the fluffy, uh, rom-com uh, side of things, not to the ridic ridiculousness um, extent that Cupid Parasite is a rom-com. Hmm. But I'm looking forward to it. And that is everything that I'm playing. Rick, take it away from me, please. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> Edit that bit out. It's five past one. We're uh, we're through the second wind. Let's see how this goes. So, I'll be honest. Most of my gaming time has been Marvel Snap this week. I've been here, there, and ever. I've been doing lots of traveling. My phone has been my mainstay, and there's just such an addictive quality to this game. Really short matches. Um, there's so much variance between the cards and the location um, effects. No two games are ever the same, and no one game ever dwells for any longer than it needs to. Um, really good fun. About as much fun as you can have with a freemium mobile game. Um, I'm going to list off the games that I'm technically still playing but haven't made any progress whatsoever with. They are Final Fantasy VII Remake, Forgive Me Father, and Radiant Historia, which takes me on to the three games that I have actually made some progress with. The first of those is, is Judge for PC, or Jeej. Um, my brother and I are, I think, past the two-thirds mark on this one, depending on, on what they do about progression. Um, I'm not sure if I mentioned it last week. The way this game opens up, it looks like there's maybe only 20 levels total. Um, once you get through the opening sort of five or six, all of the levels have um, an extra three hardcore mission requirements alongside the normal mission requirements. Um, just running the numbers in my head, I expect that's going to happen one more time with a third set of requirements for each mission. Um, normally, that's something I would find quite objectionable. This game does a really, really good job of, of making those mission requirements varied enough to justify different approaches to the game, um, playing more with your loadout, doubly so in co-op, where you've got to plan and strategize where each of you's headed. Um, it's a good time. It, it's no 
game of the year contender. It's not out here uh, changing the landscape of the medium as we know it. It's just a really fun twin stick shooter with a, a decent enough aesthetic and setup and plenty of mechanical options for you to play around with. Um, second one uh, is Paranormosite. And I want to really, really shout out this game because having made a bit more progress, I can't believe more people aren't talking about how fucking incredible this game is. And I, I think you both get a kick out of it because it, it's... I don't necessarily want to say it, it's like Danganronpa because it's not a... Um, it's not a, a, a murder roulette sort of game. It's not a death game per se, um, but it shares that game's sinister undertones. It has its own um, spiritual cultish twist on that setup. And early doors, it has pulled a massive bait and switch that totally blindsided me. Off the back of a, a very clever, almost cheeky puzzle solution. Um, the closest thing I felt to the game reaching out and shaking me since the... Um, oh, what was it called? Phantom Hourglass uh, asked you to close the DS and Serene and open it up again to stamp a map and shaken the whole foundation of everything. Um, I'm so totally invested in this story and where it's going now. Um, it's got a phenomenal aesthetic. The writing's really, really good. Whoever localized this game did a fantastic job. Um, and it's a budget Switch title. It's like less than 20 quid full price. And I think even at that price, it's absolutely worth a checkout. And I think it's the kind of thing that both of you would really, really get a kick out of. Um, I wonder how much it is on sale at the moment. Full price sale, it's well worth a look. Um, and then finally, I've been playing a bit more of um, Klonoa Moonlight Museum on Wonderswan by way of an emulator on a PSP. Um, it's still 2D Klonoa. It's still simple, wholesome fun. Um, I'd say, while I've been trying to do like admin stuff in round other things, it's the perfect game if you're doing like a Pomodoro split where you're working for 25, 30 minutes and then you're breaking for 5, 10 minutes. It's the perfect game just to bash a level out reset your brain, have a break, and come back into whatever it is you're doing. Uh, it's really, really good for that, and I've found it really, really good for that. Um, definitely one I need to play if you've already played the GBA games because it, it it's a continuation of what they did better and in color graphics um, and on a system that's actually vaguely accessible in the modern world. Like I have to say the game's quality is coming through in spite of an imperfect emulation. Like the um the game's not or the, the the performance isn't great. Even bumping the clock speed up on the on the console, I'm getting a bit of slowdown, which is not ideal for uh, a, a handheld console game from the nineties to be chugging on uh, on an emulator from sort of a decade later on newer hardware. But absolutely playable, still a whole lot of fun. Um I think, unless you guys want to jump in on any of that, I think that's me in terms of playings. Um, I'm curious. So I'm, I'm getting blank stares from both of you. Oh, sorry, go on. I was just saying, I'm curious about what the paranormal thing, but that's all. I'm ready oh, to Oh, you should be. It's, it's excellent. <laughs> I, listen, if, if I'm playing Smile with me, you can you can absolutely jump on Paranormal site. 
Yeah. I feel like that's only fair. Um, right. Topic. Um, there's been loads of game announcements and reveals and elaborations in terms of gameplay footage and extra information and a load of stuff going on. Um, I know we've all got quite a few things to throw in there. Uh, before we get too far into it, can I just throw Cyberpunk into the ring? Yeah. Because Phantom Liberty's coming, but the, um, the, the noise around it seems to be that although it's not a focus of the marketing yet, they've done a load of rebalancing work on the game as a whole, particularly apparently on the enemy AI, which um, mm. is going to be interesting. I mean, when Liberty comes out, when I've got a better rig, my my plan is to play the whole thing through again on PC and, and see how the game was supposed to be. Yeah, that's not, what it was like when I played it. gambling on my blessed PS4. Yeah, I was playing it yeah. like, like it in, in the way it was meant to be played because um, it had been fixed up and it was really fun the way it was meant to be played. I know they're introducing Cyber Psychosis from Edge Runner, um, mm. which I'm very pleased about because I did think it was weird that I could just like mod the shit into my body and it didn't matter. Like I was just kind of like superhuman, like, you know, Ain't nothing could fuck me, but I like the idea of introducing a little bit of consequence to overmodding yourself. I'm like, that seems to me like it could be actually a pretty fun, depending on how cyberpsychosis works. Um, like if you go into just like a sudden fucking psychotic rage, um, I think that would be pretty fucking cool. <laughs> I, from a gameplay perspective, like it's, it's easily one to fuck up. So it'll be oh, interesting yeah. to see how they balance like making it make sense from a narrative point of view while also making it work mechanically. I think what would be cool... Now, I mean, who knows how they're going to do it. What I think would be really cool is that if you overmod yourself, that there's some kind of, like, you know, internal dice roll that's happening in, like, conversations where you potentially have to choose the more aggressive thing, right? And, like, get you into more fights and shit. Like, I just like the idea of it, like, taking a little bit of agency away from you. Um, to me, it could just be like a really like could be annoying, but like a nice trade off to decide like how much do I want to do on this, um, especially if they rebalance it a little bit so that you don't have to rely on mods too much. Um, but mm. a you know, do you know what I mean? Like just just introducing like a little bit of chaos that doesn't like totally piss you off, but like forces you to like rethink your approach to it to a, a, a battle. You know what I mean? Like that to me would be such a good way of doing it, where it's like okay. It didn't like completely upend what I was going to do, but now I'm in a new situation and yeah, I get to murder some punks, but. <laughs> mm, the proof will be in the pudding. I mean, exactly. another interesting one might be, you know, you're trying to stealth it and then your character yeah. just like freaks out and makes a real mess and noisy mess of whatever it is they're doing. We'll see. It'll right. be an interesting one. Um, and it'll be interesting to see to what extent that DLC can write quote-unquote the wrongs of the base game because it, it, it's as people were suspecting the the area of pacifica that was completely dead other than like a brief visit for a story mission is now being completely repopulated and redone and, and that's the setting for a large part of the dlc apparently yeah that makes sense um suddenly it's like worth a damn in that game and you're like oh now it feels like a full game <laughs> mm. Well, I mean, it was a full game to start with, let's be fair. I, uh, but I mean, the whole thing. I find it... <laughs> like, there's not just a random area. But you're right, it's a very full game. I had, I had a blast. <laughs> mm. I mean, so I, I've got a very surface-level pickup of everything that's been going on. I only know a bit more about the Cyberpunk bit just because uh, um, the channel called Skill Up that I follow did a video 
based on sort of a couple of hours worth of hands-oning of the game. Um, have, I get the impression you guys have been following it a bit more closely. So what have you got that jumps out at you guys? Um, Sony had an interesting presentation um, that honestly was like kind of fine. Um, the real highlight was Spider-Man 2, which looks fucking awesome. Like just incredible looking. Mm. Um, the Venom suit getting uh, uh, put out. Craven even looks fun. The fact that you're switching between Miles and Peter um, kind of on the fly at times. Like it looks really, really dope. The rest of it, like, you know, the Metal Gear Solid 3 is getting a remake, which is cool. But like the rest of it was basically just like multi-platform games that you're like, these are great but these are all coming to the other one. <laughs> so you're also kind of like, you're like, cool, cool, cool. Um, and a lot of stuff that's coming, you know, on the horizon. Like there's still doesn't seem to be, <laughs> no pun intended, but, um, you know, Sony Horizon. I, I enjoyed it, but I was <laughs> I'm very, very tired. I appreciate that. If anybody uh, <laughs> exhaled through their nose a little bit at that, that makes me happy. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, But you could have done miles better. <laughs> God damn it! Shit! We went this oh, far without baby. a sound. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, I was I was overall underwhelmed by Sony's uh, kind of display. Um, everything looked kind of fine, but again, I'm not Sony's market anymore because I just play their games when um, they come out on PC now. <laughs> mm. um, but um, Summer Games Fest had some cool stuff in it. You know, nothing that like really like blew my mind. I mean, Mortal Kombat 1 looks great. Um, I'm not really a Mortal Kombat player that much. I, I, you know, I love the idea of Mortal Kombat. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm like, oh, that's so cool. The fatalities are great. But I know that the minute I play those games, I fucking suck ass so bad that it's like, what is even the fucking point? You know what I mean? Like, I'm just like, I'm so bad at fighting games that it's like, why did I even think I could do this? <laughs> <laughs> um new universe though which is kind of neat i think some people are like why are they doing this and i'm like honestly guys like their last mortal kombat game sort of redid a lot of stuff in it anyway it's like i with these fighting games i kind of feel like you have to reboot them almost every single time because especially mortal kombat which mm. is all about like murdering everybody so i'm like i'm fine with it um they did show some cool things where you, you have like almost like assist trophies <laughs> like you have basically you choose your fighter and then you choose another from like the huge pantheon of Mortal Kombat characters and they will fight with you and you can like one of your buttons is literally just that character coming in and punching and doing combos and stuff um, which I thought looked really cool something that was really sick Prince of Persia the Lost Crown was um, shown off uh, which is that was the left field one yeah yeah this like 2D Metroidvania Prince of Persia game I was like what Uh, it looks dope Um, I I didn't have a lot to say but besides I was like wow did not at all expect this game um and it looks really freaking cool um and mm. you know in the wake of the whole sands of time disaster um that is that remake that just feel bad for that company in India there. um not not great right uh in the midst of that no. one there it's nice to see that prince of persia is still going to be getting some love and Honestly, a new sort of IP. And this seems to me like such a smart way of doing Prince of Persia because it just distances it from like, because like Prince of Persia is a little, sometimes a little too similar to Assassin's Creed, you know? Um, like in terms of 
I don't know. Like, I, I feel like it could become too similar to that. Like, we already have our really cool historical epic series, which is Assassin's Creed. So, like, thinking, like, what makes Prince of Persia unique? And, like, you know, the time rewinding thing has been done at this point. So it's kind of like, what does it mean to be a Prince of Persia game? Um, and this sort of 2D side-scrolling thing really harkens back to the origins of Prince of Persia. Um, which I'm like, that just seems like a smart way of like moving the game forward a little bit. So I hope it's great. I hope it does well. It gives me a little bit of the like Chad Light vibes a little, you know, like when they did those sort of 2D games uh, at that time. Um, I'm not mm. sure that I'm totally sold on the art style. It's a little Fortnite-ish. Um, but I did find that the in gameplay, it looked really smooth and like really um, easy to parse, which is probably in part thanks to that art style. So I'm like, yeah, I'm willing to reserve judgment until I see sort of the game like for myself in movement. Um, but yeah, that was a really cool one. Um, I don't know if either of you, did you did you guys play? You, you haven't really played many of the Prince Persians, have you? I feel like I'm the one who's played the Ubisoft games. <laughs> Most of them. I've played the original trilogy. Okay, nice. Um, I played both the DS games the, mm. the touch controlled side scrollers very underrated yeah, they're surprisingly very good. good games um i played a little bit of the the psp um one the side scroller which this seems to take a fair bit from albeit merged with more metroidvania forms there was one on wii as well forgotten sands which surprisingly really, good again good. yeah prince of persia is um, hit more than it's missed um Yes, but when it when it misses, by God, it misses. Like <laughs> Prince of Persia 08, the cell shaded one, not it. Really, I liked that one a lot. It's actually a big fan. Of that one. <laughs> it it was time. very it, mid. Yeah, it's been ages. It was very very mid. I mean, it but it was by no means a bad game, but it it. it... I guess comparatively. Um, yeah. But Obviously, like Prince one. of Persia's a series is way before the the Sands trilogy, but I feel like. The Sands trilogy is where it 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 peaked. It did everything it, it could be. And it defines be. what it and is, right? Yeah. yeah. To anyone looking at that franchise today, absolutely. Yeah. Um. Um. Any, anyway. Uh, oh, sorry. Yeah. Um. Remnant I was just saying, I think this is, is a really good opportunity to redefine that. Oh, sorry. Absolutely. Right there, we are. Go. So I was just saying, Remnant Two is coming out. Um. In July, I'm very excited. I love Remnant One. Maybe that's one we could play at some point. Um. There's mm. a there's actually a super interesting game, Sandland. It's from Akira Toriyama. Um, and it looks like this Mad Mass, Max um, Dragon Ball Z game. Like, but it's not Dragon Ball Z, obviously, but it's just like, you know, his art style. And it's like, it looks, I, I, like, seeing it, I was like, what the fuck is this? I'm in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I saw the yeah, thumbnail and assumed cool. it was a DB game, but yeah, not so much. But no, it's not. Alan Wake 2 had a little bit of stuff. Like, there's a lot of stuff coming through, you know? Like, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth uh, is coming. Uh, hilariously, it'll be on two discs, which I, I do think is kind of funny. <laughs> like, <laughs> this fucking game is so Just big. the size of the damn thing, yeah. You no know, goddamn trilogy going on, right? Like, I don't know. I thought Summer's Game Fest was kind of neat. There's some cool stuff coming along there. Um, I will say the overall feeling so far is a lot of 2024 stuff, which I think will become 2025 things. Um... You know, look, I I don't complain too much. Like, I know a lot of people get very upset because, like, there's not a lot of big, big games necessarily hitting shelves. Um, to be fair, I'm so behind on shit anyway that I don't 
really care. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But I understand for some, they're like, I need these things now. I will say I was very pleased with the Xbox Direct. Um, Keeping in mind that I am a gamer who's just like, I'll play them when it comes along. um, And I'll play it on Game Pass when it comes along. They unveiled Fable. Um, which I'm very excited for. <laughs> Richard Ayadi was on. I that certainly link. missed that one. I didn't even. I didn't even realize that had happened. Dude, Richard A. Okay, I. Richard Ayadi. Ayadi. That's Lost it. Ayadi. Thank IT you. Crowd. Yeah, 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 he plays a giant in this, and it's very funny. He's like, he's obsessed with vegetables. I can picture it already. Yeah. Yeah. Oh mm-hmm. my god. So he's just like, no, I'm really into my vegetables, and he's like doing this whole thing on vegetables, and you just see like they really like, um. They really, really, really are trying to show that it's like that original sort of British crass humor that those of Fable games were known for. It's like, don't worry, guys, that's what this is. This is a very irreverent game that is going to be quite fun and looks beautiful. And like, honestly, I think it's going to be pretty, I think it's going to be massive when it comes out. It really seems like it's taking the promise of what Fable, because like Fable is this series, right? That like is very fun, but like, always always a disappointment because he always talked it up way too much do you know what i mean like it was always and i loved them so much but oh molyneux yeah molyneux always talked about way too high so no matter what you were a little like oh it's not quite what i thought but it's super great um you know and like that's hmm. my experience with them like i love that trilogy so much i've had so much fun with them um and if this is even like a quarter of what it looks like it's promising i'm going to be very pleased um plus it's from a seasoned developer like I know people are like it's not from the same devs and I was like that's probably a good thing <laughs> you know like do you, mm. you know what I mean like it's like a certain point in games it's like they need to sort of evolve um anyway lots of cool stuff Star Wars Outlaws came out of nowhere um so Star Wars 1313 is basically alive and well um fucking man this oh. like uh and they just revealed a ton of uh gameplay footage in the Ubisoft one so the the Xbox one it was a CG trailer but then the next day Ubisoft did like a 10 minute gameplay reveal Holy shit, it looks cool. Branching dialogue, um, fucking going on your speeder bikes. You're uh, you're basically playing under the criminal underworld. Um, you know, no Jedi in this one. It's just blasters all the way. Um, fucking, you know, dialogue trees and like, shit, it looks fucking cool. <laughs> like, I was like, Wait, where, where the fuck did this game come from? Just sort of like came out of nowhere and they were like, voila, plopped it down. Um, so I'm very excited for it. It looks super sick. Um, looks like it's going to be a nice companion to just to, to Jedi survivor. Um, and like those games. So, cause I listen, I love playing those games, but I, I do kind of, you know, I am sort of like itching for a bit of a, you know, the blasters sort of gameplay games. Um, and that one is coming out there. So I do recommend people check it out. Um, also, sorry. Do you guys have anything you want to add to this? I, I, I did watch some stuff. That's why I'm sort of just blasting through here. <laughs> I do have a lot to add to. To add to just like what you've seen? If you don't mind. Yeah, like I watched the Wholesome Direct where there are smaller games. And one of the games that I'm really looking forward to uh, ever since since last year because I thought it was supposed to release last year but shit happened and they needed more time to develop it. And that is Mineko's Night Market which is you manage a store and there's well, there's a cat, uh, but it's just like a little, um, from what I remember, because I didn't uh, see the venue trailer, 
it was like a store management kind of thing. Then you have, I am a caterpillar. You're a caterpillar and you're trying not to uh, turn into a butterfly. It's just, uh, I don't know, like there's something about the game that it was like endearing in a weird way. And also I like bugs. I like caterpillars. So this one is right up my alley. Uh, there's also, and this is a shout out to our uh, brothers at Smart Club, which is a Chilean studio, and they're making a game called Bubblegum Galaxy. Hmm. And it is more of a um, kind of like a strategy city builder simulator kind of thing with a narrative attached to it. And I think there's a demo for the game, maybe on Steam, and maybe I'm going to try that out later. But also, another game that I'm really looking forward to, and this one was an accidental discovery, is Lakeburg Legacies. And this is a city builder dating sim game, where you have to kind of like, you start with a really small population, and you kind of like start marrying like, um, uh, like visitors or people to the people that live in the in the city, and kind of like matchmaking and trying to get like uh, the abilities you kind of need on your city to make it pro prosper. So it's kind of wild. It shouldn't work, but it does work, and I think there's a demo on the Steam right now. So I would highly um. Advice like anyone who likes city builders with a lot of micromanagement, this is like right up your alley. It is beautiful. Insert the... a high rise double entendre here. <laughs> what? Oh, yeah, I'm going to manage your traffic flow. You said it's a dating sim. Yeah, it well, is a dating yeah. sim. Why don't we? But um... it is. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Keep going. I was just going to make a suggest. Oh. oh, sorry. I'll make one suggestion that I was just letting you go. Why don't we, since you have a okay. bunch too, why don't we just uh, rotate through? Um, when you finish one, I'll do one, et cetera, et cetera, just for a little bit. I, okay. You're welcome to do that. I've only got a few. No, I just want to okay, right. yeah, I don't know too much. <laughs> so you want to? I mean, if you want, I don't mind. Yeah. Because I'm, uh, I still that? have like one. Yeah. Okay. So the last game from the um, wholesome direct I really liked was Fields of. I'm going to butcher this. Mistria or Mister, I don't know. And it's more of a... It's kind of like... Wait, was it this one? Or is it just kind of like... I don't know. This one is more like a Stardew Valley in a way. Um, I was thinking of another game. I'm sorry. From the PC gaming show. But yeah, go ahead. Oh, okay. Nice. And if you want to add any more, we'll just jump through it as we go along. So um, I thought... Rick, you might be interested in this, uh, and Paula too. Persona 3 is being remade. Um, uh, day one on Game Pass, which was kind of exciting. I was like, shit. Uh, yes, also, thing about it. one thing that I'm sad about. Oh, I was about to say There's no portable Norfest content in yeah. the game. Um, though, I'm going to be real with no. you. Uh, yeah, they said there isn't. I'm going to be real with you. I'm so glad there isn't. 
uh, those games are already so fucking bloated. <laughs> I was like, don't put in any extra. I just, just, just give me the original. I'm fine with that. Like at first I was sad when you mentioned it and I was like, oh no, we don't get those extra things. And I was like, oh no, wait, thank God I don't get those extra things. <laughs> I was like, you know what's the saddest part? Like the female protagonist that are from, yeah. yeah, the female protagonist, because they actually went through a, a cool character arc of how she mother and how she was meant to be there in Persona Q2. Yeah. And then they completely erase her existence on the Persona 3 remake. Yeah. I wonder... uh, I'm very happy having played the PSP version. As much as I love the franchise, I won't be touching this. I'm more interested in a different Atlas title that I'm sure we're about to be ranting. The Persona anyway, 5 Tactica one? <laughs> no. So no, there's no, the new Atlas game. game. Did you... Metaphor Refantasia. Oh, that one. Yeah. I that one. I they, they did threw not three dots at that in dictionary, and they were the words that we got. Yeah, I know. I looked at that one, and uh, I have no opinion on it until I play. I did not understand a thing when I was looking at it. <laughs> so I was fading, and I'm like, "This looks. It's Atlas. It'll be good." That, that was all. I, do you know what I mean? I was just like, <laughs> "It'll be good." I don't understand what's going on. It'll be cool. I bet. <laughs> that was it. It looks the, the vibe wild. feels like bang in the middle of Persona and like standard SMT. Yeah. Which I think is an interesting place to be operating in. So we'll see. It's probably a good place to be operating in. I think it'll bring in a lot of folk. Yeah. Um, yeah, it looks, looks super dope. Um, there was a lot of cool stuff. Clockwork Revolution looks neat. They're getting some flack for being too much like Bioshock, which I was like, oh, fuck off. Bioshock is like every uh, immersive sim <laughs> there at this point. Um. Those were the big ones for me, to be honest. I think the only other one that I was like really, obviously, like a Dragon Infinite Wealth had a very funny uh, thing there. I mean, obviously, I'm playing that. Sea of Thieves has a Monkey Island collab that I thought was like so mm -hmm. genius. I was like, dude, of course. I was like, why hasn't they had one yet already? And like, it's so perfect. Already. Um, yeah, yeah, and 33 Immortals looks really cool. Did you see this one? It's by the Thunder Lotus folks, the ones who did uh, Spirit yeah. Fair. 33 player co op game. That is weird. Odd, and it's going to be wild. Number. Yeah, really, really. It's called Through These Models. It's, I mean, I don't know. It could be really cool. Um, and the last thing I'll talk about is just Avowed. Um, they had a good gameplay trailer for it. Um, looks like it's going to be straight up my goddamn alley, man. A more focused Skyrim-like game. I was like, yeah, man, I'm in. I'm fucking in. Is that um, the Obsidian one? Obsidian one. Yep, Obsidian fantasy game. Um, think of like Outer Worlds scope, just fantasy. Um, and then, oh, okay. Gotcha. Obviously, Starfield. I can't not. Starfield had a 40 minute direct after uh, the fucking <laughs> thing. And, like, okay. Look, I know, I know it's a Bethesda game. I know there's going to be, like, glitches and shit in there and stuff. But, like, honestly, it, it looks amazing. Like, I don't. It is hard to talk about this without just sounding like some kind of hype train on it. But, like, hmm. what the fuck? Like just just that one city they showed, New Atlantis, right? One of their cities. It's the biggest thing they've ever made. It's fucking huge. They've completely rehauled and revamped all their animations and looks and stuff. And there were little tea, like you know, there were some Easter eggs and stuff in there too, like the avid fan from the Elder Scrolls. Uh, but the amount of worlds and like the way that they've built this thing, I just, I mean, fuck. Like, it's taking the idea of, I think this game is going to slightly shatter the concept of open world. And it's like, you know, the way No Man's Sky, I mean, it's that game. 
you know what I mean? But with Bethesda's storytelling and with Bethesda's like um, systems and the combat looks phenomenal. I mean, just the um, just the 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 gunplay in it looks fantastic, and I'm just like, I'm sure there's gonna be weird things going on with it, but I don't know, man. Like it. Calder me very in, put it that way. <laughs> given their track record, like, let's wait and see. But, like, really, though? Because, like, given yeah. their track record, what do you mean, even, right? Like, I'm like, they have some <laughs> of the be- best games of all time. <laughs> um, I mean, Skyrim required a shit ton of community modding to get it to where it was. Fallout 76 well, is their last I don't last know if they need title. a lot of community uh, modding to get where it is. I mean, that game on its own is still incredible. Like, it's just, it's Skyrim. When that came out, that game blew things away. Even Fallout 4, which I understand. Yeah. When did that game come out, though? Let's, let's roll that back. But that's when what did I mean. Skyrim that's why out? I feel pretty confident about this, is just the amount of time they're taking on these. Like, that's the point, right? They don't release games on this crazy, like, constant cycle. And when you think about it, too, like, 76, the, and this is the reason, right? Like, Redfall obviously was, like, a nightmare. But that, to me, demonstrates, like, they were under this pressure to put out these, like, you know, get all this money games they're removed from that now you know what i mean like they're at that point now where it's like they are able to rest a little bit more they can actually put out um like under xbox at least they they don't have as much of that pressure they're not being told like hey go make this or that um it's so funny i think they were told like some of the devs are like i wish the xbox would have come in and just killed redfall but i don't think anybody told red xbox that (laughs) do you know what i mean yeah that might have been a conversation to have with them like i think xbox might have actually been like okay that's fine (laughs) i mean mean, let's put redfall to one side though right because that's a completely different dev team yes it's under bethesda but it's a different dev team like exactly though yeah but then let, let's also pull it back, like between Fallout Prey, 76 which is, is what not that, their uh, dev team, right? Like, it's, wait, not, it's not the same dev team. I think it was it was something that they the had input team. on in part. Yeah, inputs. That's not the fine. Same okay, team, but though, yeah. <laughs> but let's loop it back around. Like the whole thing, Prey to Redfall. Like people were banking on what they'd done with Prey. Seventy percent of that team had gone. It later transpires by the time Redfall comes out, mm-hmm. and that's half the time gap we're looking at from Skyrim to now. Yeah. There's too many questions. Let's see come September what it is. I I, yeah. I refuse to buy I into mean, the hype of that game I, until it's in people's hands. Yeah, I fully disagree with you just because of how much they've shown off. That's fine. And, and it's totally fair. Like, I totally see what you're saying. I'm just like, this is one of those ones. Also, I think I have a pretty good sense for these things. <laughs> I, my fantasy critic record shows I have a pretty good sense for this stuff, I think. Um, I'd so that's like what nothing I'm more to be wrong, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I have a feeling, I, I my prediction is, tons of bugs, of course, um, but it'll be pretty groundbreaking, I think. It's not a bug, it's a feature. It's a feature, yeah, mm. exactly. Which, honestly, I mean, look, there's some recent games that have been doing that too. So, you know, I, I think I think it's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be something else. It's uh, To me, it, it, it feels like it is no Mass Effect Andromeda. Do you know what I mean? It's more like uh, a Mass Effect 2. That's what I'm getting. That's my vibes um so we will see i'm excited uh anyway i don't know was there anything else you guys wanted to hit up i'm I'm good to be done this has been a long one poor rick i've got yeah, a few somewhere. i want to drop names yeah, drop of so um eternites has no right to be any good but i don't know what it is about that footage the whole like just leaning into just being cringy dating sim but also quite a good action game like mm. i feel like that could be dumb popcorn like shtick um this game called 
the book walker that i played a demo for in next fest it's like a, a first person adventure game crossed with a crpg uh looks phenomenal and comes out in a couple of weeks i've got steam credit there's every chance i'll just buy that on launch uh the invincible it's like a 50s atom punk um adventure game set in space lots of overlap with games like alien and, and those sorts of themes um uh, that looks fantastic albeit one that looks like it's really pushing the latest hardware probably not one that i will be um sort of actually dabbling with anytime soon um citizen sleeper 2 i'm not sure if i'll play it but it's cool that it's coming um and i i have to say just as a general note to sort of leave my thoughts on again i'm Hmm. still sort of digging through the various videos and announcements i've been here there and everywhere Hmm. around the time that all of this has been happening so i've not really been able to properly take it in i personally quite like that there's not a lot of big um oxygen sapping games coming out at the moment and i like that to a certain extent Mm. everyone has like lent into well we've got some indian double a games that could do with some spotlighting and some breathing room and we've got nothing better to put in front of you so let let's open the stage up and i think that's really cool i think it's really healthy certainly for my own tastes i think in recent years that's where i found much more enjoyment and engagement um from from teams of that sort of size and profile um so that's a really exciting thing about the past week for me um you had a couple more to throw out i think paula yeah uh first of all is midnight which look very interesting like the like the whole aesthetic that it has just called to me in in a certain way so i'm looking forward to that one the other one that I found interesting that is more of an uh, action role-playing game is Konitsukami, uh, Path of the Goddess. And kind of like an action game where it seems the protagonist seems to be like profiling like, uh, I'm going to say a yokai, but I'm not sure. Or battling yokai too. Um, there was another game what? I'm trying to find the title of it because I already forgot it. I'm a little bit scatterbrained. Uh, but it is something very, very um, similar to a game that I grew up with, which was Warcraft 3. And where the fuck is it? So, <laughs> oh my god, sorry. Uh, where, is it? where is it? There it is. Stormgate. And it is a real-time strategy game, and it looks like the game I've been waiting for for so fucking long because it is an RTS, but more in the line of Warcraft, where you have like smaller armies and like smaller mm-hmm. cities in general. So I'm looking for the very micromanagement, like micromanagement heavy. Uh, uh, RTS. Um, I think there was one more over here. Well, the uh, 33 Nights we already talked about it. It looks nuts and I want it. Like, it, it looks beautiful. And of course, I have to go, like, I have to shout out the these two Capcom games. Or four, really. Which are Ghost Trick Phantom Detective coming to the Switch. And Apollo Justice Ace Attorney Trilogy, they're bringing the uh, other 
main life three Ace Attorney games to the Switch. Like at this point, I really they brought everything to the Switch. The only things that are left are the tie-in with Professor Layton and the Investigation games. Like, come on, we're so close to having everything on the Switch. It's in the Apollo trilogy. No, oh, those, actually, that's the Apollo oh. trilogy because Apollo doesn't have a trilogy. Apollo just so had a game Apollo and then was in the other two. So both ah, 3DS yeah, so games. Dual Destinies and then the other one. And Spirit of Justice. Yeah, ah, Spirit okay. of Justice. Um, Apollo got a little shafted. Dual Destinies. Because he got was you. not okay. popular at first. Because <laughs> people were like, where's Phoenix? Oh, yeah. um, but, <laughs> which is a completely fair reaction, frankly, because like, you know, we love yeah. Phoenix, right? But Apollo is great. Yeah. <laughs> Not Wheel of Phoenix, right? Wheel of Phoenix, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, and the other game that I found interesting that is a city builder is Melaroma. Hmm. I think those are mine. I'm probably forgetting a lot of them because there were a lot of fucking games. I'm looking at, like, a recap of it. So I'm getting the names from... Well, Good enough of that hours. What were yours? Let us know on the forums, on the Discord, or in the comments just below the like button. And with that, it's or, time. You know. Oh, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> I guess we're doing how long to beat the game. Who knows where we fit that? <laughs> Who knows where we fit the jingle in in all of that confusion? We'll fit it in right um, here. All I know is. All you know is what, Rick? <laughs> Welcome to How Long to Beat the Game. All, all I know is I'm, I'm glad it's Paola editing this week. Let's put it that way. Oh, yeah. I got to pop that. Speaking of, it's also Paola letting us know which game you and I, Alex, are, are competing to guess the three times yes. and dealers pick answer question for. Tell us, Paola. Uh, yeah, I have the game totally, totally prepared. Yeah. <laughs> you should tell your face that. <laughs> <laughs> What's your fucking problem, Rick? <laughs> <laughs> My problem is I'm so tired. <laughs> it's like past 1 a.m., I think. This poor boy needs It's to nearly 2 a.m. Oh, my God. We got to get this boy to sleep. Please. Yeah, I'm trying to not get a game where... Oh, who cares? Anyone. Just, <laughs> just get a game. Just get a game. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, the game is The Longing. The, oh, the oh, longing. Okay. Oh, fucking hell. That's the one that I know that. Game. Friend of the podcast, Tiamat, always raves about where it's like 400 days and then the game just ends. Yeah. Um, it's a weird game. It's technically long, but technically not. Um, okay, Paula. Well, why don't you hit us with uh, the special one? Okay. So your extra. Um... Okay, so you know how these times are usually the average times on each category? Mm-hmm. So I want you guys to tell me what is the completionist time at a leisure pace on how long to beat. On a leisurely pace. Leisurely pace, yeah. Okay. Oh, Main plus shit. leisurely. Completionist leisurely. Ooh. God, I dread to think. It's a full fucking guess. I don't know. Uh, I'm in. <laughs> I've got my stuff. I, yeah. 
I, I feel slightly yeah. confident on um, the times because I, I do have this. I think I had this one on a backlog or I at least looked it up at some point. Um, because, yeah, I think Tiamat had mentioned it and a few people have mentioned this one. Um, the problem is that I think I, I know exactly. the conceit of it now. So I'm not sure if I'll be playing anytime soon. You know, you know what I mean when you learn like, oh, it's about this. But We'll see. Okay, so the times are in. Okay. For our main story, Alex said 20 hours, and Rick said 8 hours. I love the cook Rick, bits. I'm sorry you're very far off. It is 90 and a half hours. Oh, okay, I was close. Yeah, I know this is a long yeah. one. For the main, uh, main plus extras, Rick said 26 hours, and Alex said 30 hours. And this point goes to Rick, as oh. the game is... 26 and a half hours. Oh, oh, wow, okay. Mm, yeah, I might be a bit off. For completionist, Rick said 59 hours and Alex said 60 hours. Oh, no. And just, just by the, that hour margin, Rick gets the point as the Ooh. game is 59 hours. It's 59 hours. Oh, Let's wow. Go. Shit, I should have uh, should have gone lower, I guess. Around numbers. Finally, for the um, leisurely-based completionist run for the game, Rick said 170 hours, and Alex said 225 hours and 30 and minutes. I think we both lowballed it. We both... Absolutely, you probably did. You both did because the completionist time at the leisurely pace for this game is 257 hours nice. and two minutes. I beg your fucking pardon. That's that's crazy. Uh, that makes sense to me though, because this is such a long. Oh, actually, no, that doesn't really make sense. Someone was really taking their time, I guess. They were really longing it up. <laughs> what's this? I mean, what's the sample size for that? Is that just one dickhead who left their computer running? I think so. <laughs> I don't know. Whoever you are, you're not a friend of this podcast. <laughs> They're not a friend of Alex, though, because Alex got the extra point. Which means we're all tied. Yeah, well, it's fifteen, fifteen, fifteen. We're all tied. Yeah, it's actually, we're all literally. So we're basically time. we're at square one again. <laughs> what a time to be alive. Yeah, that's neat. So that's it, folks. Thanks for sticking in for another long in here. But uh, that's all. Tune in next week to find out who will come up on top. Nighty night. Bye. Bye.